You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today, I have Anna Lang on the line, and I am so excited to have her on because I actually sought her out when we were speaking at um, a virtual summit, but she is an entrepreneur for nearly 20 years, and she has run seven businesses, started one nonprofit, um, which is called The Just Project, which is super important. I wanted to mention this. It's aimed at helping women of abuse, bullying, and neglect step back into their power and take ownership of their lives. And she's also spoken on the stages of organizations such as Salesforce and Picha Kucha. Anna runs the Permission to Shift Summit Series, a YouTube channel, and Master class series featuring internationally renowned experts and authors that have appeared in and on outlets such as Oprah, Forbes, Money, NBC, just to name a few. Um, And she is a student of consciousness. I am so excited to have Anna on because like I said, I jumped in her inbox immediately while she was still speaking at the summit that we were both speaking at um, because I was like, I have to have you on. And so thank you so much, Anna, for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you, Tiffany. You know what? I am absolutely honored to be here. You are a visionary and I am very excited about also what you were bringing to the world. So being here is just an absolute delight. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm honored. So look, we're just going to get right into it. Like what you were talking about on like during the virtual summit were the five mental games we play. Now, y'all, when Anna was talking about this, um, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I just need her to regurgitate this whole thing on my podcast because (laughs) it was just so interesting and profound and it was so true. And so with that being said, I just want to get right into it. Like, what are the five mental games that we play on ourselves? Okay. So the five mental games to give people a little bit of context, when we play mental games on ourselves, they're games we play to justify whatever's going on in our head and make it true. So when we're talking to somebody and we don't like what they say, we play these mental games to twist it, distort it, contort it or whatever, so that we can be right or we can avoid changing, we can avoid taking responsibility. They're really actually quite detrimental on some level, but they're also good on other levels because they can, as much as they can be used to twist what what's happening around us and to justify our stories, they can be used to see the good in things. So, you know, there's two sides. Now mm-hmm. there's five different things that we do. They are deletions, distortions, generalizations, personalizations, and dehumanizations. And they Mm. each play a specific role. Now, before you get into the juiciness, I just (laughs) want to tell people those things that she just mentioned play into your money so well as well. And so that's why I wanted to bring her on, because if you become more aware of these things, then you can kind of plan around or try to, you know, kind of use them to your advantage. Right. And so I just wanted to point that out, like 
all of these mental things that she's talking about, it shows up in your money too. And so that's why I wanted to get her on. Okay. Now that that's out the way, because I wanted to make the connection for my audience. They're probably like, oh my gosh, she's going really mental, but it's all <laughs> connected. It's all connected to your money for sure. All right. So Anna, what is number one? What is the first thing that we, the mental game that we play and what does that mean? Okay. So first thing on the list is deletions. And I really appreciate what you just said about how it affects money because deletions, all of these things affect everything, literally every area of your life. There's nothing that remains untouched from them. And deletions are where I start because they are one of the easiest things for us to understand and also to see ourselves doing. And what a deletion is, is it's literally deleting pieces of information that we don't want to see. So I will be talking to you, Tiffany, and we'll be having a conversation and we'll be going great. And then suddenly I won't like something that you've said. So I might just decide not to hear it. I'd be like, no, you know, she, she might've told me something about my money, how I perhaps should not spend my money. And I might remember all of the ways I should spend my money or some such thing like that. So deletions, they can show up, it, it can be good and bad. So I can see if you know the term generous attribution. No, let's go ahead and break that down for our Okay, audience. so generous attribution means thinking generously about what's happening or what's being said or what's happening around you. So mm -hmm. if you are, again, I'm talking to you, Tiffany, and I we're saying a lot of really great things and uh, you say one thing that's kind of iffy and I delete that thing because generous attribution would mean I'm thinking the best of what you're saying. So I'm choosing to see the best. Whereas if you said a whole bunch of really negative things and then one positive things, one positive thing, ungenerous attribution would be, I'm only going to see the negative that you said. Or maybe if you said a whole bunch of positive things and only one negative thing, and I chose only to see that one negative thing and take that home with me, right? I'm deleting in either respect, but one thing is going to be sort of happier ending for our relationship. And people tend to give generous attribution to people they like. Mm -hmm. So you see this play out in mm -hmm. the office, you see this play out in relationships with money, you see it play out all the time. So if I'm happy with my husband and he goes out and buys something I don't think he should have spent money on and I'm in a good mood and I'm happy with him, I'll give generous attribution. I'll be like, oh, but you deserved it. I just went to the spa, so all good. <laughs> if I've been saving like a demon and he goes and spends his money and I'd be like, excuse me that was you know this and you always blah blah, blah. so that's and, that's the first one and you know that one just in of itself like, <laughs> that was a gym right there because <laughs> and and that's why like when i'm talking to couples i teach them like they have to be on the same page. They have to know what each other's goals are and what the family goals are. Because if you have someone that's saving, 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 let's say they want to build up their emergency fund, but then you have the other person that's just a spender or whatever, that negative thing is gonna like, it doesn't matter if you went and bought the, the saver something, right? Like maybe the spender bought the saver something. Um, it's like, why did you spend money on this? I don't believe you did this, you know, and it can, it could turn into a whole thing. And so I love what you said there. That is a nugget in of itself because <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going through right 
now I'm an extreme saver and my husband tells me all the time he's like babe like can we just spend on something um and so like when he does spend on something it could be something small maybe he goes to the store and buys something I'm like oh my gosh I don't believe like why did you buy that we could have put that and so it's like you have to look at okay yes like maybe it doesn't align with what you believe but will this help the other person you know come into their self be happy you know whatever and so i'm so glad you said that because instead of looking at the negative just look at the positive okay yes you treated yourself you know that's fine whatever um i don't have to look at that as a negative especially like sometimes i'm ridiculous and it's like a two dollar thing and i'm just like I don't believe he's meant to. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, I can look at it. At least it's only $2 and this $2 made this person happy. So now I can flip it to the positive thing. Okay. So I, I just right. want to get that out the way. Cause that is a super valid point And it's something that could be applicable immediately. <laughs> well, and what you're saying is really useful and it's useful in all relationships. What is the story I'm telling myself about the meaning this thing has? And then what information am I not letting in right what am i deleting so that i can continue this story that two dollars is evil or on the other hand what story i'm creating that allows me to go into debt and hold debt and not you know Mm. and ignore the stress of debt like what am i deleting and it's really really important and it actually goes right into our next one which is distortions Mm. because they play hand in hand often you have deletions along with distortions and distortions are what we do to <laughs> distort. So those wonderful things we do to tweak, tweak what's being said or to deliberately misinterpret or interpret in a way that was not necessarily intended. So we see this a lot. We see this with, um, I'm going to use politics here, mm-hmm. but Republicans versus Democrats we can have a Republican say the exact same thing as a Democrat, depending on what side you're on, one of them will be bad and one of them will be good, simply because of how you distorted it to suit whatever whatever side you're on. Right? Mm-hmm. And you often will use deletions to support that as well. And I think it would work into money in the same way that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. How am I justifying this expense? What am I leaving out and what am I distorting, tweaking or altering ever so slightly to give me the answer I actually want to see? Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) I have a fun example and it's not money related, but I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago on my blog was my daughter had, I came out one day, I do a walk every morning, I get up, I have my morning routine, I go for a walk. And I'm looking over there because that's where my shoes are. So I went over to get my runners to go on my walk and my runners weren't there. And I thought, eh, my daughter's borrowed them, whatever, it doesn't matter. Got to get them back so I can go on my walk later. No bigs. I went in to my you know, computer. I started doing some work. My daughter came in. I was working in the dining room table. My daughter came in a little while later and she grabbed her breakfast. And it was the same breakfast I had had, which wasn't a very healthy one. And I was like, ooh, cake for breakfast. <laughs> okay. Now, this is where the distortion started happening. She immediately took offense, which in retrospect, she was absolutely justified. We don't need to comment on what people are eating. It can be assumed as shaming, whatever. So anyways, she took offense. I did not want to see that I had done anything wrong. So there was nothing in the moment that I could use to prove that I was right. So I went back to those shoes and I was like, ah, this girl is always disrespecting me. 
right from like, do you see the distortion? And then I started going back in my head and grabbing stuff from all over the place that I could to build the story that my daughter was disrespectful, always doing things, always looking to see how I was doing things wrong, but never seeing how she was doing things wrong. Blah, blah. Anyways, distortions, deletions, all we ended up in a not so small tiff mm-hmm. and we didn't speak for the rest of the day. Oh, okay. And you know, and see, here's the thing, right? So in the that instance, right, you want it to be right. And I think that's where a lot of these things come in, these mental games and stuff, is because we want to make sure that we have the upper hand at all times, just as human beings, right? And so unless you are aware of what you're doing and you're aware of, you know, the mental games that you're playing on yourself, it's like, okay this person called me out on something which is super valid, but I need to negate that because I feel bad about myself. So let me pull something from like, it could be like years ago. It could be like whenever. And so even though they really, they had a really valid point about me, I need to make sure that they feel what I'm feeling. And so I need to pull something about them and make them feel how I'm feeling. And so a lot of times that's like how, like, even in relation, like any relationship, really, it's like when, and when that cycle starts, it's like it's like a domino effect. And so it's like, you know, maybe the issue was something today, but then that person brings up something from like months ago. And so then you have to pull back and go years ago. And so it just goes on and on. And then it becomes to the point where it's you can't contain it like it's it's it becomes a whole monster. And then I'm sure like after you had that whole situation happen, you were like, dang, like it really didn't have to escalate like that. Like, and that's probably what both parties are thinking, but it's um, also a pride thing probably. Like you don't want to go back to that person and say, you know what? I really overdid it. And I apologize (laughs) because you're like, all those points I made were valid. (laughs) in your mind, you know? And so anyway, I just wanted to point that out too, because that is so true. Like, so true. So true. Yeah. And you can, you know, when it's happening with any of the emotional mind games we play or internal communication mind games, wait for the charge. The second you feel a charge is when the ego is kicking in and the need to be right surfaces, the need to avoid responsibility because it's vulnerable. We are programmed to not be vulnerable because vulnerable means that we are closer to being eaten by a lion. So we avoid it and we are taught to avoid it with all of the wrath and and like to the death, right? That is what we are programmed for. So when I'm in the kitchen with my daughter, I'm not just talking about cake. I'm talking about life or death. (laughs) It's fight or flight, like that instinct kicks in. Absolutely. And it affects my my role in the tribe. And as we know, being part of a group means survival. And so if if my status in the tribe is affected by this fight and I am wrong, I am lowering my status. I am one step closer to being kicked out and dying. Like Mm. there's a lot of baggage and evolution in the way we communicate. Right. Mm -hmm. And even with our money, our money is another that's that's emotional baggage at its best. Mm-hmm. What did they say? The, the saying is uh, money uh, personifies money makes bigger what is already there. Mm-hmm. Right? It magnifies what's already there. So if I have some sort of insecurity problem, I'm using distortions and deletions. It is magnifying the insecurities and the ego and, and all of those problems I have. Right. 
Oh my gosh, that is so true. Oh my gosh. Okay, it's right, number three. Let's get okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, general generalizations. We can we can zip through these. So generalizations are when I say everybody is of one way. It's a label that I slap on things, and it's useful because our our brain has two parts. The neocortex, this guy up here is there for complex, you know, problems. It's there to really analyze things, but that takes a lot of time, which means when we're faced with life or death situation, not the best part of our brain to use. So we use generalizations as a way to analyze groups quickly. So if they're dangerous, we can get away from them. All right which is fine. So we can label things like there's the cereal aisle. And I know that's where all the cereal is. These are grocery stores. That's what they have. Mm -hmm. The problem with generalizations is that we are evolved enough that we now use them in ways like, oh, all grocery stores underpay their employees. Mm -hmm. All people, all men are narcissists. You know, mm -hmm. instead of using it as a survival mechanism, we're using it as a way to not think to not fully explore our options or to not fully go through the thinking process because this part of our brain takes a huge amount of energy. It's just easier to use this one. Mm. And it's a problem because when I say my husband never picks up, my kids always do this, we are disempowering them and giving them no option to do anything else. Mm. And it also makes them feel like, okay, well, all of those positive things that I did, you're only pulling out. And this goes back to your first point. <laughs> it's a deletion. It's, uh, you know, you're yeah. pulling out this one thing that I did not do for you and holding that against me. And so all this positive thing, all these positive things that I did, because now we're generalizing, it's like, why even do those things? Because if all you're going to pick out is the, the one thing that, you know, now you're saying, well, you never pick up the phone or you never do this. Now we're overgeneralizing, even though I may have just gotten off the phone with you for like hours, <laughs> you know? Um, and so then it's like all that time that I spent on the phone, was it a waste of time? Maybe because now it's like, okay, you don't even see it, you know? And so yeah. I 100% agree. That is, that is a gem right there. Yeah. If you disempower the people around you, they are far less likely to give you generous attribution. And we really want to get back to generous attribution because that gives us a better life. When we can see others and they can see us with our flaws and know that that's not who we are, right? That's the power we want to give our kids, our friends, our family, our relatives, our coworkers, everybody. Mm. So then... Oh, see, I told y'all, I told y'all, this is a good conversation and this can help in so many areas of your life, not just your money, your relationships, everything. All right. What's number four, Anna? Number four number is four. personalizations. And this one is hard, especially um, for people who tend to feel victimized right? Because it's taking what's being said. So I walk into a room. Now, let's say I grew up in an environment where people, I didn't feel trusted. So people were always correcting me. People were always getting down on me. People were always yelling at me. I now feel not worthy, not good enough. I will walk into a room now and I will see someone laughing in the corner and I'll personalize it. I'll assume it's about me. 
Mm. I'll go to a wedding and I will feel like everyone's staring at me. I'll personalize it. I'll make it about me. And it could even be more simple than that. It could be, I listen to my husband talking and, and he says, oh, look at this thing I got. And I'm like, ah, he got something for him. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't see me. He doesn't value me. Those are personalizations and they are ridiculously, ridiculously toxic. Taking and, and it's different than taking ownership. It's using the information in front of you to build a story of unworthiness, lack of value. People don't like me. People don't understand me. People will, will always reject me. And it isolates you from the world around you. That's what personalizations do. Yes, yes. And also it like other people, like when they start catching on to what you're doing to yourself, then they don't really want to be bothered with you either because then it's like, and so it becomes a very lonely space that you essentially put yourself in just by thinking that everyone is kind of against you. Um, and so that is another valid, very valid point. And, and y'all, I have already taken those. That's why you don't see me writing favorite right now because when she had this talk the first time I had a bunch of notes um but please take notes on all of these things because the more you know about all of these mind games that can potentially happen throughout the day um the better you can be prepared to kind of circumvent them or you know to realize acknowledge that it's happening and then try to flip it a different way um so Anna give us number five <laughs> Number five is the one that hits my heart possibly the most because I think it's the one we're the most unaware and that is dehumanizations. So dehumanizations are the things we do to, to make ourselves believe or to justify the story of this person, place, thing, item, action, whatever, doesn't have or deserve the same life experience as me they won't understand me. So I can, I can look at somebody who runs a company and I can say, oh, he's just a, he's a self-centered, whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't see that his mom is dying. I don't see that his wife, you know, has cancer, that his kids, uh, you know, one of his kids got killed in a car accident. I don't know why his life is the way it is, but I am choosing to see only the, again, deletions, distortions, all those other things to create a monster or, you know, one of the big dehumanizations people do is the corporation. They blame things on the corporation because it's not a person. They don't see the humanity behind it, the things that are running it, the thing you dehumanize your coworkers when you want to hate on them, you dehumanize your friends when you don't like what they're doing. But it can be as simple as um, when you see people who, for example, really want to save a forest they see the humanity in something like a tree. So the more real or human you make something, the less able you are to harm, hurt, or give it a different experience. You will see this in the abortion debate, mm. right? The more real you make an embryo, the more human you make the embryo. And I can, I have friends on both sides of the debate, mm -hmm. but the ones who really like, they're like every cell, every piece is fully human. Of course, to them, it is murder. And to the people who are like, well, I don't, I don't see the human there. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't feel like, and it's not that one side is right or wrong. It's just which side is humanized more. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? 
Oh, yeah, it makes complete sense. And I mean, if you just think about um, just on a day to day basis. Right. So like, for instance, um, let's look at um, people that are homeless on the street or felons or, mm. you know, these areas, these different communities, right, that have a voice, but it's like, do you see them as human enough to really understand and hear their voice? You get what I'm saying? Um, And so, you know, I tell people all the time, get, if you get to know people, it's hard to hate them. It's hard to hate people once you know their story, right? So the more you talk to people and the more you get to know them, it's like you really can't hate them anymore because now you know either A, why they are the way they are or why they're thinking or acting or whatever the way they are. You have more insight into what's going on versus, and now you're making them human again, you know, in your mind, you know, they're more human. Um, But when you don't take the time to get to know people on that level and you just automatically overgeneralize, um, (laughs) then it's like, oh, well, I don't want to talk to them because they're part of this group and I know this and that, blah, 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 blah. But, and then, so it dehumanizes them. And so then you start reflecting that in the way you act and behave towards them. And you don't know what kind of, um, like what damage you're doing in addition to what they're already going through. So I tell people all the time, I'm like, it's hard to know. It's hard to hate someone once you get to know them and you have to get to know people in order to increase, like, let's say your emotional intelligence, your EQ, right? Because that's important. That's just as important, if not more important than your IQ, it's your EQ. And so building that um, connection with human beings in general, it doesn't matter what their walk of life is, who they are, whatever the case may be, um, it allows you to be be more empathetic with whatever their situation is and therefore you're making them more human and so now you're not playing these mental games that we've been talking about this whole time and you know shutting people off before you get a chance to even know who they are it goes further though because we do it some of the people we dehumanize the most are our spouses and partners and our children and our parents because we can by dehumanizing them, we can um, justify controlling behavior. We can justify, I, my, I needed to do that. You know, using all of those other mental mind games, we dehumanize them and justify our terrible behavior in their direction. Because let me tell you, if you truly, it's, it's a way of removing worth. If you truly believed that, you know, let's say, your six-year-old or your 18-year-old or your whoever was really and truly worthy, you wouldn't seek to change them. Mm. Like really alter them, but you choose to see them as a moldable piece of clay so you can make them as you want. Mm. And that's, that's, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. It's a whole Mm. other conversation, but we use it we use it rampantly. 
Yes, yes, that is so very true. And I mean, even before we hit record, we had a conversation and I noticed that some things that I do um, just, you know, as a person where and now that we're talking about these five mental games that we play, you know, really, I'm like dehumanizing, um, you know, whether it's my kids because I'm like, oh, well, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. Oh, why are you crying? You shouldn't be crying about that. Like that's, you know, that's nothing, you know? And for me, it's like, for me, it would be nothing, but for them, they're whole human beings with whole feelings and whole like beliefs and and values and all of that stuff. And so for me to say, well, why are you crying? Stop crying. You know, that type of thing. It's like, I'm not validating the reason why they're crying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I'm just saying, oh, you crying is stupid. And I know as an adult, when I've had people tell me that, because, you know, I've dealt with depression and anxiety and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe I'll have one of my spells and I'm crying like every day. And I've had people tell me, you always crying. What you crying for? And I know how that made me feel. And so now I realize that's exactly what I'm doing to my kids. And so it's all about awareness. It's all about awareness because if not, there's no way that you can know how to change or where to even start. And so, um, and y'all see, I told you this was going to be good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, And see, this is why I brought Anna on because everything that she's talking about shows up in so many different ways in your life that if you just become aware of these five things and it's only five, like it's super, like super easy, five things, then you can kind, you can just start living the life that you want to live, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's just being more happy with yourself, you know, self-love, you know, that type of thing. All of these things play a part. And so, Anna, 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 if there was one thing, like, I know you dropped so many gems and (laughs) there's so many extra steps that everybody needs to take right in this moment. But if there was one thing that you would recommend people do, like maybe right now while they're listening to this or, you know, as soon as they hit stop or as soon as they stop listening, what is that one thing that they can do to start kind of implementing some of these things? You know what? Brene Brown has possibly the best sentence that I have come across to date to help with the identification of these mental mind games. And it's really simple. As soon as you feel the charge and the charge means I am emotional about this, I'm defensive about this, I'm reacting, ask yourself this one question and it will just help you exponentially. And it is the story I'm telling myself is, or what is the story I'm telling myself? It's incredible language, incredible language. Cause one, if you say, what is the story I'm telling myself? It makes it not an absolute. You realize, oh, I, I am thinking this thing. And then you can get curious about why. And as soon as you're curious about why you make it not a rigid thing. And when you say to somebody else, the story I'm telling myself is they don't feel like it is a permanent declaration of their character. And your mm-hmm. conversation is more likely to happen without them telling you to go after yourself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is 
so true. That is so valid. That is so valid because one thing, um, and I know we're running out of time, which I hate, uh, but one thing that I tell my students, and this is the example that I give my students, right? I'm like, let's say you're walking down the hallway and this professor that you really adore, whatever, you know, you pass them in the hallway, like y'all are going opposite directions and you say, Hey, professor and they don't acknowledge you. They just keep going, right? Now, in your head, you're telling yourself, well, dang, maybe my, maybe that professor doesn't like me, or, you know, maybe it was something I did in class, or maybe, you know, and you're going off on this tangent about all the possibilities that it could be. And so now you either, you're like, well, I don't like that person either, or, you know, you start kind of internalizing that. Um, but really, what could have happened is maybe they had some headphones in. Maybe they didn't even hear you. Maybe they're having a horrible day and they're just trying to get to their car. You know, there's so many other possibilities and other stories that it could be. But you have to realize, like you just said, what is the story that I'm telling myself? And with that story, um, you know, maybe the next time you talk to the professor, you're like, you know, I saw you in the hallway the other day and I said, hey, um, the story I told myself was that blase, blase, blah. And this gives the person the opportunity to say, well, you know, no, that wasn't the case. You know, this is kind of what's going on. Or, yeah, you're right. I, <laughs> and this is why, you know, whatever. You just give the person the opportunity to state their case. So that way you can have more understanding. And usually it's not as bad as we think it is. Usually that's not the case. <laughs> What's the stat they had out on? It's over 90. I don't remember what the actual stat is, but the amount of things we worry about that never actually happen. And it's like 98% or something or 99%. Yes. Yes. Which the mind. says we are terrible at making up stories. I mean, great at fiction writing. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> not so much Real at nonfiction. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that is so true. So um, thank you so much, Anna, for dropping all of those gems on us. If people were interested in finding out more about you or more about your work and what you do, how can they find you? Well, I am all over the place. I have my website, which is www.analang.ca. So my name and CA because I'm Canadian, loving on my country. We're international, uh, y'all. No, it's good. <laughs> So you can find me there. I also run the Permission to Shift series. So you can find me on permissiontoshift.com. I have internet or internet. I have the internet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I meant to say uh, social media. So I'm yeah. on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all of those great places. Yes. And I did go ahead and follow her the last time she spoke and she gave all this spiel. So I will definitely drop all of that information in the show notes for you all. So that way you all can tap into everything that Anna has going on, because as you can see, it's phenomenal work and it's phenomenal stuff and it's life changing. And that's what we're here for. Right. So thank you so much again, Anna, for being on the show and going along with my shenanigans um, and answering my inbox. <laughs> Oh, Tiffany, you are such a delight. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time. 
Spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient. <laughs>